listening to Mississippi's most unapologetically conservative podcast. Where the truth is told and liberals are exposed. Liberals are exposed. Welcome to Mississippi Matters with your host, Will McLeod. This podcast is about educating you on politics from Mississippi to Washington, D.C. So strap in and enjoy the show. And now your host, Will McLeod. Welcome back. We're doing exactly what it is that we do best. You guessed it. Educating our listeners. And uh, it seems there's going to be another rainy night in Mississippi. Uh, So some of you may hear a little bit of thunder here at the studio may hear a little bit of uh, noise every now and then. Should, shouldn't be too bad, but uh, if you happen to hear something rumble, uh, we're supposed to get some pretty pretty rough weather uh, here uh, over the next couple of hours. And uh, not only is it raining in Mississippi, but uh, it's raining national debt. That's right, folks. It's pouring. It's absolutely flooding. America is hemorrhaging money by the trillions. I uh, sat at my desk doing show prep, and I ran across uh, the article where uh, it says the House passes McCarty's debt ceiling bill by two votes. Four Republicans vote against the bill and uh, says the House passage uh, sends the bill to the Democrat-led Senate, which opposes it, as well as uh, Joe Biden. And so House Republicans on Wednesday delivered Speaker Kevin McCarthy's biggest win of his tenure, leading the chamber so far by passing his bill to raise the debt limit slash spending and Uh, The bill would serve as the GOP's position on how to avoid a debt crisis in the coming weeks. The bill passed in a narrow 217 to 215 vote. Every Democrat voted against it, as expected, along with four Republicans. Andy Biggs of Arizona, uh, Tim Burchett of Tennessee, Ken Buck of Colorado, and Matt Gates of Florida. They all voted against the uh, spending bill. Republicans cast the vote as a win that puts them in the driver's seat in negotiations they hope can happen with President uh, Joe Biden in the coming weeks. Biden has refused thus far to entertain anything other than a clean increase in the debt ceiling. Uh, While Republicans insisted he should agree to some trimming of the federal budget as a condition of raising the government's borrowing limit. We have lifted the debt ceiling so nobody could worry about whether the debt ceiling is going to get lifted. We did it. The Democrats have not. The president wants to make sure the debt ceiling is going to be lifted. Uh, McCarthy goes on to talk and says, Mr. President, sign this bill. Well, Biden has threatened to veto the House plan, and uh, he wants unfettered spending and a raise in the debt ceiling, uh, which is on par. It's it's par for the course with the uh, Democrat Party. Tax and spend, tax expend our way to prosperity. Folks, it doesn't work. It just simply doesn't work. But it goes on to say in a call with reporters after the vote, House GOP leaders made clear that the ball is now in Biden's court. Fox News Digital asked House GOP conference chair Elise Stefanik, uh, Majority Leader Steve Scalise, and Majority Whip Tom Emmer about how they plan to convince their members to vote for a version of the bill again after Biden and McCarthy speak, assuming that Democrats foist some changes onto the legislation. We are the only chamber that has done our job, according to Stefanik, who's a Republican out of New York. Uh, 
He says uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer needs to get the negotiating table started, uh, as does President Joe Biden. Scalise, who is a Republican from Louisiana, said the negotiations need to happen on the Democrat side in the Senate, in the White House, not in the Republican-led House, because we had those negotiations and came up with a bill that saves taxpayer money, grows the economy, and also raises that debt ceiling. At the end of the day, it's President Biden who can no longer sit on the sidelines. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. America's in trouble. Not not only are we in trouble morally, we're in we're in trouble financially. We we, we I'm telling you, folks, we, we're in a place where I remember just ten or fifteen years ago, when 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 we had hit just a few trillion dollars, and they were talking about the repercussions of hitting that $4, million, uh, $4 trillion mark in debt. Folks, when it got to $9 trillion, man, the alarms were going off. They said we would never, ever, ever be able to recover if the debt went over $10 trillion. Fast forward to 2023, folks, and we are approaching 30 Three trillion dollars. By the end of the year, we will be at thirty-three trillion dollars. I don't know if you've ever went and looked, but you can go to the usdebtclock.org, usdebtclock.org, and it will show you the U.S. national debt, the debt per citizen, the debt per taxpayer. It shows you the federal tax revenues, the revenue per citizen, the income tax revenues, payroll tax revenues, corporate tax, tariff tax. It's all right there. Folks, it is absolutely mind-boggling. It's absolutely mind-boggling. These folks could not balance a checkbook with less than $100 in the bank. They couldn't do it. We're almost at $32 trillion with projections saying we will be at $33 trillion by December 2023. We're looking right now at a debt per citizen of over $95,000. If you don't look at just the citizen's and you look at just debt per taxpayer, we're at a quarter of a million dollars per taxpayer. U.S. federal spending is over $6 trillion. The U.S. federal budget deficit is $1.5 trillion. One and a half trillion dollars. That's the U.S. federal deficit. The U.S. federal debt to GDP ratio in 1960 was 52.97%. By the time we got to 1980, in just 20 years, the U.S. federal debt to GDP ratio was at 34.57% under the Reagan administration. 34.57%. By the time we got to George Bush's administration, we were at 58.21%. U.S. federal debt to GDP ratio, 58.21%. Under the Biden administration, we are now at 120.35%. U.S. federal debt to GDP ratio. We're at 120.35%. How long do you really think this can continue? How long? U.S. federal tax revenue 
is around $4.6 trillion. That's about $13,000 per citizen. The income tax revenue in this country is around $2.6 trillion. State revenues coming in around $2.2 trillion. Corporate tax, $442 billion. Payroll tax, $1.5 trillion. Tariff tax revenue, $72 billion. Local debt per citizen is a $7,000. Every man, woman, boy, and child, $7,000. Local debt is over $2.4 trillion. State debts at almost $1.3 trillion. U.S. domestic gross product, $26 trillion. Total federal, state, and local spending. Folks, we're at $10 trillion. We're looking at federal, state, and local spending. $10 trillion in this nation. Total debt-to-GDP ratio right now, 133.97%. This is total debt-to-GDP ratio. Total spending to GDP ratio, 37.02%. In a population of 335 million people with a workforce of only 161 million. And of those, of those, only around 127 million of them are considered taxpayers who actually pay taxes. We've got around 20 million people in this nation that have no job. They're unemployed. Official unemployment is closer to 10 million. The median income in this country is around $35,000. U.S. bankruptcies, 426,000 U.S. bankruptcies. 43 million people living in poverty. 28 million without insurance. With over 105,000 foreclosures across the nation. A nation of 335 million people. 22 million U.S. millionaires. 63 million Medicare enrollees. Almost 9 million disabled, 85 million Medicaid recipients, 45 million food stamp recipients, 25 million Social Security liabilities, $23 trillion. $23 trillion in Social Security liabilities. $36 trillion in Medicare liabilities. U.S. unfunded liabilities. Are you ready for it, folks? Are you ready? Here we go. U.S. unfunded liabilities, $188 trillion. $188 trillion in U.S. unfunded liabilities. Unfunded liabilities, $188 trillion. Folks, do you want to know what our U.S. total national asset is? $187 trillion. $187 trillion in total national assets with U.S. unfunded liabilities of $188 trillion. Folks, this nation is already bankrupt. 
were already bankrupt. Student loan debt approaching $2 trillion. Over $40,000 per student. Credit card debt. The average person owes almost $8,000 in credit card debt with $1.3 trillion in credit card debt. $25 trillion in personal debt. $25 trillion in total personal debt. That's $74,000 per citizen. Bank interest being received at the moment, $580 billion. Bank interest paid $38 trillion. Largest budget items, Medicaid, Medicare at $1.5 trillion. Social Security, $1.3 trillion. Defense budget, $800 billion. Interest on debt, almost $600 billion. And interest alone, $600 billion. Folks, these numbers, these numbers, folks, these numbers ought to scare you to death. usdebtclock.org go look at it for yourself Pew Research Center did a article five facts about the US national debt President Joe Biden and the Republican-controlled House of Representatives appear to be on a collision course over raising the statutory limit on national debt. House Republicans say that they want Biden to accept significant but unspecified spending cuts in exchange for raising the limit. We just talked about this bill a while ago. But this is an article from Pew Research. But the president has insisted that raising the limit, which allows the government to continue paying its obligations under the law on time, shouldn't be a budgetary bargaining chip. Public concern about federal spending is on the rise in a new Pew Research Center survey about the public's policy priorities. 57% of Americans cited reducing the budget deficit as a top priority for the president and Congress to address this year, up from 45% a year ago. I, I got a question for you folks. Only 57% of those surveyed actually felt that we needed to reduce the budget deficit. Folks, we're in, we're, we're in places we've never been before. We're in debt like no nation has ever incurred debt. Federal borrowing has essentially already hit the current debt limit of $31.38 trillion, though Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has said that she can use a variety of accounting maneuvers to postpone a government default for a few months. So far, neither the administration nor the House is budgeting from the positions that they've staked out. So the standoff continues. Fun Facts the federal government's total public debt stood at $32 trillion. It is subject to the statutory debt limit, leaving just $25 million in unused borrowing capacity. It says for several years, the nation's debt has been bigger than its gross domestic product, which was $26.13 trillion in the fourth quarter of 2022. Debt to GDP is a useful metric for analyzing the debt over long time spans as it puts the debt into a relative term by comparing it against the size of the national economy. Look at it this way, debt as a share of GDP has gone through three main growth phases in the recent decades. These have corresponded with periods when the federal government ran large budget deficits, the Reagan-Bush years of the 1980s and the early 90s, the 2008 financial crisis, and the subsequent Great Recession. 
and the pandemic-caused recession of 2020 when federal debt spiked at an all-time high of 134.8% of GDP. The ratio has come down a bit since, but remains well above the pre-pandemic levels. Folks, when this thing collapses, it's going to sit on the back of every American. See, this is why they're looking to move towards a digital currency. This is, this is why the government's looking to, to restructure. Let me tell you something. These BRIC nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. I, I, I'm telling you, these big economies. They're all moving to Chinese currency. Every single one of them are going to move to Chinese currency. Folks, when you've got a Chinese president who has come out and said that there is a change coming that we have not seen in 100 years, he's not playing, folks. He's not playing. Talk of de-dollarization is in the air. Last month in New Delhi, Alexander Bakhanov, deputy chair of Russia's state Duma, said that Russia is now spearheading the development of new currency. It is to be used for cross-border trade by the BRIC nations of Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. Weeks later in Beijing, Brazil's president, Luiz Inacio Lula da Silva, chimed in and said every night he asked himself why all countries have to base their trade on the U.S. dollar. These developments complicate the narrative that the dollar's reign is stable because it is the one-eyed money in the land of blind individual competitors like the euro, the yen, and the yuan. As one economist put it, Europe is a museum, Japan is a nursing home, and China is a jail. He's not wrong, but the BRICS-issued currency would be different. It'd be like a new union of up-and-coming discontents who on the scale of GDP now collectively outweigh not only the reigning hegemon, the United States, but the entire G7 weight class put together. Foreign governments wanting to liberate themselves from the reliance on the U.S. dollar or anything but new murmurs in foreign capitals about their desire to dethrone the dollar have been making headlines since the 1960s, but the talks have yet to turn into results. By one measure, the dollar is now used in 84.3% of cross-border trade, compared to just 4.5% for the Chinese one. And the Kremlin's habitual use of lies as an instrument of statecraft offers grounds for skepticism about anything Russia says on a litany of practical questions like how much of the other BRIC nations are on board with Barkarov's proposal. For now, the answers remain unclear. Nevertheless, at least based on the economics, a BRICS-issued currency's prospect for success are new. However, early plans for it are, and however many practical questions remain unanswered, such as currency that really could dislodge the U.S. dollar as a reserve currency of the BRIC members. So they're looking to put something into play for cross-trade, and then you have China's president wanting to use Chinese currency. As the reserve currency. Folks, I'm telling you, there, there's shifts being made here. There's shifts being made. 
There's folks that are sitting back, and I'm telling you, they have a disdain for this nation and its leadership. People are no longer confident in the United States. Our allies are no longer confident. They're no longer confident in anything we do. They're not confident in, in our trade practices. They're, they're not confident that we're going to keep our word when it comes to protecting our allies. They're not confident in anything that we do because of the incompetence of our leadership and because of the moral decline of our society. When you have people like Vladimir Putin who comes out and, 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 and has a televised meeting with his nation and a significant portion of his speech addressing his own nation is referencing the moral decline of the United States of America. Whether you like Russia or not, whether you agree with Putin or not, he's right on the things he's saying. There is a moral decline in this country. America is not what it once was. And somebody has to take a stand and stop this. I'm telling you, folks, they're making moves to dethrone America as the only superpower in this world. They will form alliances and pledge allegiance one to another. And I'm telling you, America is going to come to its knees. God's going to judge this country. And the only thing standing in his way is going to be righteous men and women that take a stand that say, we're not going to, we're not going to operate this way anymore. We're going to bring morals, values, and principles back to this nation. We're going to be more fiscally responsible and we're going to get rid of the lunatics that are running this government. These are not threats, folks. It's coming. It, it, it's it's coming. This idea, this narrative. Well, you know, they've been saying this for a long time. It may or may not happen. You know, we'll just have to wait and see. The amount of money that we owe foreign nations, the amount of money that we owe China. Folks, I'm telling you, it's staggering. Absolutely staggering. It's staggering. And we're not thinking about any of this. And what this country has become is a one-party nation. It really has become a one-party nation. You can't tell the difference between the Democrats and the Republicans at this point. They're spending money we do not have like drunken sailors, and we're spending it on programs where we're incentivizing laziness. We've created generations of young people that think they can get something for nothing. They're owed something that they're not owed. This is where we're at, folks. This is where we're at. Who is going to take responsibility for this? That's the question. We've allowed this to happen. We have allowed this to happen. And I can't understand how we've let it perpetuate this far. How did we come to this? You got Democrats on Capitol Hill that are fighting to allow males into women's sports. We've lost our soul. We've lost our identity. We no longer know who we even are.
the Protection of Women and Girls Sports Act, every single Democrat voted against this bill. I don't understand it. Is it really that complicated? I mean, really, is it that complicated? This party and every Republican that governs like them Something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with you. You you can't possibly have a soul and govern with this type of madness. And then and, and then and then on top of all that, you, you you want to say that this bill discriminates against transgender women, men who want to pretend to be women, fully intact males going into the locker rooms of women. They still have their genitalia. These are men, men, boys. How can you defend that? Folks, something has to be done. Over and over again, I ask the question, what are we going to do? Because this is where we're at. This is where we're at. You 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 got a government that 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 that, that we want to sit there and we want to argue over biological males being able to compete in women's sports, all the while you have China right on our southern border striking strategic deals with Mexico. Our leadership is asleep at the wheel. They're drunk on stupidity. Absolutely drunk on stupidity. So the Senate blocks the bill to save women's sports. The only thing these people are interested in doing is fundamentally dismantling America. Driving us headfirst into bankruptcy. Fundamentally changing society. Erasing the definitions of marriage between a man and a woman. Erasing the scientific fact that you only have two genders, male and female. That if you disagree, if you have a religious conviction against homosexual behaviors, you're a bigot, you're a racist. If you're white and you're Christian, you are a domestic terrorist. They're all for tolerance unless you don't agree with them. And what's amazing to me is that how African Americans can can be so coerced and manipulated into getting behind an 80-year-old white man to run for president of the United States. 
again. We saw the same thing happen right here in Mississippi. Folks, the Democrat Party did everything they could to keep two black men from running for governor. Why? Because they have made sure they did everything they could do to make sure that Brandon Presley becomes the nominee. They've done everything they could to disenfranchise their own party members. But you're still going to have blacks that are going to run out and vote for Brandon Presley. They're still going to rally around the because they would rather ride and die for the brand than to save themselves. It's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. You got idiots like Whoopi Goldberg that are out there telling Democrats they need to rally around Biden. Biden does not represent them. You you, you give this man a pass for every racist comment he ever made. You demonize Donald Trump and he was the apple of the of, of African Americans' eyes until he got into politics. Black leaders loved Donald Trump. They loved him. Oprah Winfrey loved him. Jesse Jackson loved him. Al Sharpton loved him. They all loved Donald Trump till he ran as a Republican. But 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 you'll give this Joe Biden a pass after all the racist comments that he made in his political career. You'll just close your eyes and stop up your ears just to just because you want to stay on the plantation of the Democrat Party. That's where you're at. That's what you're doing. You have a vice president that, that can't hold a decent conversation. Literally, what do they give this woman? She walks around like she's half drunk and high on cocaine. All she does is laugh and snicker and make the craziest, absurd statements. I mean, completely incoherent. Completely incoherent. Just like her boss, Joe Biden. I'm telling you, man, retards have taken over. Oh, you're being mean. No, I'm being absolutely serious. You can't make this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. You can't make it up. The world is falling apart. Absolutely falling apart. And we're just we're just carrying on with our little lives as though hey you as though it doesn't affect us. But I'm telling you, you listen to me. It's a it's coming home to visit you. It's coming to your address. America is going to get exactly what it deserves if we don't do something about it. We need a major change in leadership. These people that we have sent to Congress here in the state of Mississippi, these are not conservatives. They're they're not conservatives. They're not legislating like conservatives. They're not doing the job we sent them to do. 
They're not. So when you hire somebody to do a job and they don't do the job, you know what you do? You send them home. You send them home. You tell them, hey, we're going we're gonna to try somebody else. You, you just, you're not getting the work done. We're going to send you home. We're going to send you home. And that's what needs to be done. That's what needs to be done. In other news, you still have uh, Brett Farr whining, wanting to be released from this lawsuit. No, he, he needs to be held accountable for his actions. I've said it before. I'll say it again. He knew what he was doing. He understood where the money was coming from. He stated in the text messages that he wanted to try to keep it out of the media. And instead of instead of people looking and 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 holding these people accountable, I'm amazed at all of the criticism that Shad White is receiving for how he's handled the state's largest welfare scandal. He's done an absolutely phenomenal job. He's done exactly what the taxpayers are paying him to do, which is to investigate and uncover. He's not a prosecutor. He's an investigator. He can file civil suits. He can run investigations. He can audit. But but he's not a prosecutor. He can't bring he can only take the information to the proper authorities and they have to do something about it. But I think he's done a phenomenal job. Seventy seven million dollars in stolen welfare funds. Mismanaged welfare funds. Folks, I think we need more more men like Shad White. I think we need more men like him that are doing exactly what he said he was going to do. He told you what he was going to do. He did what he was said he was going to do, and then he told you what he did. Yeah, I, I give him credit for it. I, I don't think he deserves any criticism. I think he's done a wonderful job. Of course, you know, former U.S. Attorney Mike Hurst uh, has accused White's office of keeping federal authorities in the dark. But Shad White, again, has defended waiting months after the auditor's office uh, started piercing, uh, you know, in this investigation and, and trying to, you know, piece things together in order to bring it to the FBI. When you run these investigations, you need to dot every I and cross every T. I don't think I don't think Shad has attempted to leave anybody in the dark. I think he's trying to be very thorough. I think he has been very thorough. And I think we should commend him for a job well done. But as far as Brett Favre uh uh not uh not being in the in the lawsuit, no. He was in on $5 million that was funneled to build a volleyball stadium for his alma mater. And he was paid $1.1 million for speaking engagements that he never gave. He was told to pay back the $1.1 million plus interest. He paid back the $1.1 million, did not pay back any interest. So according to Shad White, he still owes he still owes interest. He knew, he understood. To him it was free money. 
It was free money. And he knew exactly where the money came from. He, as well as then Governor Phil Bright, they they all understood. Every single one of them understood. They all understood. None of them were in the dark about what they were doing. They, 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 They can't for a moment sit by And say that, that that they didn't understand what was being done. Every one of them understood what was being done. Every one of them. You know, I as I watch the the news, as I as I look uh, uh, at, at things that are being published locally, I'm gonna tell you something, folks. Th- this whole move uh, for medicinal cannabis, the medical marijuana, I, I, I'm gonna tell you something. I was riding down the interstate, and my wife called my uh, she called my attention to a. Uh, billboard where they were having a uh, state cannabis uh, festival seminar. They're, they're already having 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 festivals. And this is supposed to be for medical marijuana, but I'm telling you where this is headed. This was nothing but a ploy to allow for recreational use. You watch and see. You you watch and see. I'm looking how it's advertised. I'm looking at the products that are going in these dispensaries. I'm looking at the conversations that are being had. Listen, folks, this was nothing but a ruse. Man, they pulled a fast one on you. They pulled a fast one. This was nothing, 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 nothing but just acclimating Mississippians to the idea of having uh, uh, recreational use marijuana. It's going to start out with medicinal. And and I'm telling you, before it's said and done, they're, they're going to say, hey, let's just tax it. It's no different than alcohol, and in much ways, it's a lot safer. I'm, I'm just telling you, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. You're going to see drug use skyrocket in the state of Mississippi. This is not going to deter anything. This is not going to help us. We, you, 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 you legalized gambling. We, we got a lottery. We did everything. We're doing all this for the kids. No, what we have is a moral decline. None of these things are what they sell you. The end game is completely different. You can't take these folks' word at nothing. You got 40 dispensaries throughout the state. I, I'm, you, you mark my words, folks. Write it in blood and take it to the bank. This is about people getting these medical marijuana. I mean, man, they're out there advertising it. Hey, let's see if we can get you a card, yada, yada, yada. This is where we're at. This is where we're at. And they're going to make sure. They're going to make sure. That before it's said and done. You you give it a year or two. Give it a year or two. 
And it'd be like, hey, man, the program's working great. Everything's in place. Listen, we just need to go ahead and follow along with Colorado and Washington State and all these others and just allow medicinal use, you know, marijuana. I mean, uh, recreational use. The medicinal's working great. We're not having any troubles, no problems. Let's just, I'm telling you, folks, this is what's coming. Pastors, you hear me. Churches, you hear me. This is what's coming. This is where we're at. You're listening to Mississippi's most unapologetically conservative podcast. Mississippi Matters. Mississippi Matters. Hey, folks, let me tell you about Gracie South Jiu-Jitsu of Pearl. Uh, Ramey and Amber Kent opened up their gym back at the 1st of January of this year, and uh, they teach Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And uh, I've met these folks, per- these people personally, and I'm telling you, they're great people. Uh, but there's some amazing benefits about, about Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, they offer, uh, in addition to to, to all the cardio, uh, health benefits and things of that nature. Uh, it allows you to learn, uh, proper self-defense techniques. Uh, they also have a uh, cardio kickboxing and, and, uh, other things like that. And my children, uh, went out there and, uh, became members of Gracie South Jiu-Jitsu of Pearl. And they have two locations, one in Pearl there at Fairmont Plaza and one in Madison, Mississippi. And I'm telling you, man, I've seen such a tremendous change, uh, in my sons. They, uh, their discipline, uh, man, their athleticism, there's so, there's so many, there's so many things, uh, that there's just so many benefits to this Brazilian jiu-jitsu. A lot of people think, oh, it's martial arts. It's all about fighting this, that, and the other, but the truth of the matter is it's really not. It's really not. It's about staying healthy and, uh, learning skill sets that will help one protect themselves in the, in the event that, uh, they're in danger. But I would encourage you to reach out to Gracie South Jiu Jitsu of Pearl and you can reach them online at www.gracysouthjujitsupearl.com. Again, that's Gracie South Jiu Jitsu Pearl.com. Gracie spelled G R A C i.e. and uh, their phone number is 601-706-9769 601-706-9769 but i'd encourage you to reach out listen folks let them know that you heard about gracie south jiu-jitsu of pearl on the mississippi matters show or podcast and let me tell you what happened they will allow you a free week to come and train absolutely free of charge just for letting them know you heard about it on mississippi matters but if you decide to become a member of the gym and start practicing brazilian jiu-jitsu you will also receive 20 percent off your membership that's right 20 percent off just for mentioning mississippi matters again gracie south jiu-jitsu pearl.com you're listening to Mississippi's most unapologetically conservative podcast, Mississippi Matters. M- M- Mississippi Matters. Hey, folks, the housing market is on fire, and it's still a good time to buy or sell. So if you or someone you know has questions concerning buying or selling real estate here in the state of Mississippi, reach out to Clayton McLeod. He's a realtor associate broker for Century 21 Mazellan Associates, and he is interested in making your dreams come true. His cell phone number is 601-906-9540, 601-906-9540. Again, Clayton McLeod, he is your friendly Century 21 Mazellan Associate realtor associate broker. And again, he's wanting to buy or he's wanting to sell your home. And I'm telling you, man, now is the time. Uh, interest rates before they continue to go through the roof. This is what you want to do. You can reach him on his website at ClaytonMcLeodRealtor.com. That's C-L-A-Y-T-O-N-M-C-L-E-O-D Realtor.com. Again, 601-906-9540. 
You're listening to Mississippi's most unapologetically conservative podcast, Mississippi Matters. Mississippi Matters. Well, you have um, Chris McDaniel. He has hit the campaign trail really, really hard across the state of Mississippi. And, uh, man, he has an extremely good grassroots uh, movement that is behind his campaign. And uh, Chris is a conservative. He's the only conservative in the uh, lieutenant governor's race. And uh, you've seen, I'm sure you've seen, if you've watched any television, I'm sure you've seen all the attack ads that Delbert Hoseman is running against Chris McDaniel. But I'm going to tell you something. Delbert, the Democrat Hoseman, he, he's extremely worried. He's worried about the momentum that he sees in the Chris camp. And I'm telling you, folks, if you know what's good for Mississippi, if you want to see the grocery tax removed, if you want to see a complete elimination of the state income tax, if you want to see other sales taxes done away with, if you want to see a Mississippi that wants to thrive and prosper and put forth good, conservative, prosperous legislation, then Chris McDaniel is going to be your man. Chris McDaniel is going to be the one you want in the seat of the lieutenant governor. He's the one. People don't really understand the power of the lieutenant governor in this state. The most powerful position that you can have in this state is that of lieutenant governor. He controls the legislation. I'm telling you. You need a man like Chris McDaniel to make sure that that, that, that not only does Mississippi stay on the right path, but that the people that we're sending to Washington are held accountable. With a lieutenant governor like Chris McDaniel, we can push back. We can push back. With Chris McDaniel, as lieutenant governor and Tate Reeves as governor, there's some things that Mississippi has been needing to get done for 20 years. And it can get done this next legislative cycle. But we're going to have to have some change in leadership, and it's going to start with getting rid of that lieutenant governor. The next thing that's going to have to happen, folks, you're going to have to vote out these incumbents. These senators and these state house representatives that are not governing like Republicans, you need to send them home and you need to put conservatives in their seats. This is what needs to be done. This is what's best for the future of Mississippi. I would encourage you vote Chris McDaniel for lieutenant governor. Lauren Smith up in North Mississippi running for senator. I'm telling you, folks, research these candidates. Research these candidates. That's what you need to do. You need to research these candidates. You need to make sure that you're getting behind those that are conservative, that are that are not only professing to be Republican, but they can articulate to you what it means to be a conservative Republican. Ask the hard questions. Ask the hard questions. Because this is what Mississippi needs. We need a change in leadership. We need a change of direction. And the only way it's going to get done is with you and I. Again, don't forget about the primaries August 8th. Don't go looking for your candidate in November. We have a Republican primary in this state, and we need to make sure that we show up in big, 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 big numbers. In the August primary, August 8th. Don't forget it. Thank you for tuning in to Mississippi Matters. We hope you enjoyed the show. 
please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as other streaming platforms. Please share this episode with others. Feel free to let us know what topics you'd like to see covered in future episodes. Get in touch with us on Facebook or visit us online at www.mymississippimatters.com. 